This faith and finance podcast is underwritten in part by Christian Healthcare Ministries. Are you finding it increasingly challenging to find affordable health care? Christian Healthcare Ministries is a budget-friendly, biblical, and compassionate healthcare cost-sharing alternative that aligns with your Christian values. And it's available in all 50 states and around the world. Learn more at chministries.org slash faithby. You'd like to be financially free, but you just don't know how to make it happen. Well, stay tuned to find out. I am Rob West. Knowing and doing are two different things. I'll let you know how to be financially free today, but doing it, that's up to you. And like most things, you have to want to do it. Then we'll take your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Okay, first I have to say that you never want to be financially independent from God. He owns everything and He's your provider. But you do want to be financially free to serve God more fully. Now, those who've achieved that know there's one absolute requirement for financial freedom, and that's learning how to live not just within your means, but actually below your means, and to do it for a long time. Certainly, that will require doing certain things, which we'll get into in a bit, but achieving financial freedom actually begins with a mental exercise. You need to change your thinking. Why do most diets fail? It's because they're based on deprivation. As you restrict your calories, you feel deprived. And you can only tolerate that for so long before you plow into a box of donuts. Living on a budget works the same way. If you feel financially deprived, you'll eventually start to overspend again. It's the opposite of contentment. Why might someone feel financially deprived? Well, the Bible gives us several reasons, greed, envy, or covetousness, a lack of faith in God to provide, or any combination of those. But no matter the reason, it makes living on a budget difficult when it should be easy. The solution begins with developing a sense of gratitude for what God has already provided. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Next, you must believe that you can learn to live below your means. It might be a challenge and you'll probably have setbacks, but keep at it, cutting expenses as necessary. Okay, so much for the thinking part. Now it's time to get your hands involved. Here are some tips for staying on budget. First, you must have margin. That's money left over at the end of the month. You no doubt have several fixed bills that come in every month and you pay them without thinking. But start thinking about them. Is there a way to lower your mortgage payment? Maybe by getting rid of PMI. Can you reduce your heating or cooling bill? Maybe get rid of streaming apps you don't use much. Don't take those bills for granted. Sometimes all you have to do is ask, did you know you can actually negotiate things like medical bills and household repairs? You might say, is that the best you can do? You might get a discount. It certainly doesn't cost you anything to ask. 
By the way, it's easier to stay on budget if you actually watch what you spend instead of having a lot of stuff happen on autopilot. Download the FaithFi app to set up your budget. It will then track all of your spending and likely reveal things you can easily cut, like those streaming apps I mentioned. That alone could save you a few hundred dollars a year. Now, there's another tried-and-true way you can avoid feeling deprived by your budget, and that's by rewarding yourself. You want to celebrate small victories along the way to financial freedom. At the end of a successful week of staying on budget, treat the family to ice cream. After you have $1,000 in your emergency fund, maybe go out to dinner. The idea is that it's okay to splurge now and then, just not all the time. The same way, try to spread out your spending for things like having your nails done. Instead of every four weeks, can you go every six weeks? At $25 a pop, you'll save around $100 a year. If you're paying to keep stuff in one of those you-store-it places, get rid of it. You can cut that cost and bring in more money by selling it. For most things, if you haven't used it in a year, you probably don't need it. Every little bit helps. Okay, if you do all of those things, you've trimmed your budget as much as possible, and you're still having trouble living below your means, well, you'll need to increase those means. So look for ways to add to your income. Employers are still desperate to find and retain good workers, so maybe it's time to ask for a raise or for more hours, or maybe you can take on a side job. So that's how you can learn to live below your means and start the process of becoming financially free to serve God more fully. We hope you'll let us know how it works out because we'd love to hear your stories. All right, we're going to take your calls next. The number to call is 800-525-7000. By the way, you can call that 24-7. 800-525-7000. I'm Rob West, and this is Faith and Finance biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. What if buying groceries, gas, or dining out could help change lives? With Christian Community Credit Union's Cards That Give to Missions, you can help spread the gospel, combat human trafficking, and protect vulnerable children with every purchase at no cost to you. Apply for your card today. More information is available at joinchristiancommunity.com. That's joinchristiancommunity.com. The credit union is an underwriter of this ministry. Membership eligibility required. God has entrusted his finances to you. And we at FaithFi have designed our FaithFi app to help you live, give, owe, and grow with that perspective. Our FaithFi app is the leading biblically-based finance app. You can manage your money, get top biblical financial resources, and interact with a community of like-minded believers where you can ask questions, get answers, and share what you're learning. Go to faithfi.com and click the word app to get started. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm your host, Rob West. The number to call is 800-525-7000. To Michigan, hi, Kim. How can I help you, sir? Well, hi, Rob. Enjoy your show. Thank you. Um, Got one kind of major question. Um, my wife and I have been in uh, church ministry for several years and really haven't established um, a retirement couldn't, because we couldn't manage that. She's an incredibly good budgeter, so um, she's got it down to where we do pretty well. When I started Social Security, we started because of extra income, saving the money for um, emergency fund and for retirement. 
But now our question is, we owe about fifty, about 47000 just over on our house, and we're trying to decide, should we just pay that off? We've got about 13 years to go on the mortgage. Um, that will put us at 83 because we're 70 right now. Uh, what's your advice? Yeah, so are you still working now? I am still currently in ministry and have a part-time job. Get out at 4 o'clock so I get to listen to your program. <laughs> cool. cool. That's great. Um, if you were to pay off the house, where would the money come from? It would come out of that savings that we've been saving for retirement, okay. uh, our and Social Security savings that we've been doing. So, we right. would, How much have we you built up? About 80000 Okay. Um, at this point. Yeah, got it. And so as you look at this, I mean, if you were to stop working for pay, I know you're really only working part-time right now, and let's say the house is go- payment's gone, uh, are you all able to live on Social Security, or are you really needing to build something up that you could draw an income from to supplement? Yeah, I don't think we could really make it on Social Security because, you know, our, our monthly budget right now is about 4000 and Social Security will only get us to about half that, just a yeah. little over. Yeah, okay. All right. So if you're going to need, uh, you think, maybe a, um, $1,500 a month, you think? Is that probably about right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, if you were to build up something, you know, to, let's say, 250000 um, you know, at 4%, that'd be 10000 a year. I mean, that still wouldn't get you there, but, you know, that at least give you $800 a month. You may need to take a little bit more than that. But I think the goal is how do we, you know, over this next, um, you know, let's say decade, if that's, you know, how long you're continuing to work for pay, uh, how do you build up something, you know, maybe a quarter of a million dollars? I think the key is to get that money into a tax-deferred environment and get it invested. So what I'd probably do is, you know, let's pull out six months worth of emergency reserves. So if you're living on 4,000 a month, uh, you know, that's 25,000 that you'd probably want to put in a, leave in that savings account may want to consider moving that to an online savings where you can at least get a little bit of interest on it. Um, You know, maybe three and a half percent right now with FDIC insurance. And then, you know, that would leave you 55,000 to do something with. And I'd probably start funding, um, you know, a Roth IRA for you and your wife. You could each put in uh, $7,500 over the age of 50 per year. And you wouldn't have any required minimums as long as you have earned income. And then, you know, that could be invested with the idea that, you know, we want to try to grow that over the next decade. You'd still want to be fairly conservative, but, you you know, I might have 50% bonds, 50% stocks and just try to grow it. But tell me how you feel about that. Are you are you wanting to take a little bit of risk and try to grow this? Or are you really wanting to stay more in bank type products that are guaranteed? Well, we don't necessarily want to stay with the bank thing, but we don't want to be, you know, um, too invested in that right now because the banks are a little bit... Um, challenging or questionable, I guess, is what I mean. Yeah, I wouldn't be concerned about that. I mean, if unless you're in one of the, I mean, this was really isolated to some, it, it, we could see more of it for sure, but it was isolated to some very specific regional banks that had mismanaged their 
their, you know, portfolios because when they take in deposits, they lend it out and, you know, then they buy um, uh, U.S. government treasuries. They had a lot of long-term treasuries. They had particular, in the case of Silicon Valley, depositors that were needing their cash because they're in a high growth industry. And in this environment, they were draining their deposits and that required them to sell these assets at a loss, which resulted in, you know, a run on the banks, uh, on those banks. I think it's limited and the government has taken extraordinary measures to backstop it. And even as of late, Secretary uh, Yellen plus uh, Fed uh, Secretary um, also is out, you know, uh, Chairman Powell and saying that we may go even beyond 250. So if you're up to, you know, 250,000 or less, I don't think you have to be concerned. I think the question is, what's the best place to balance getting out of debt so you reduce your lifestyle as much as possible? I think the key there is uh, to do that by the time you stop working, because that's going to get your biggest expense off the table. But I think the question beyond that is, if Social Security is not enough, what can we do to grow some wealth over the next decade? I'm just using that as a ballpark for how long you're going to continue to work for pay. You could go beyond that. But what can we do to grow some wealth so you have an asset there that you can convert to an income stream you know, to use for the rest of your life? And I think that's really the key. Uh, and so if it were me, I'd probably, you know, just continue paying on this mortgage and, you know, try to sock some money away in an IRA and then invest it in a, a fairly conservative way, but where you have a mix of stocks and bonds and give you the potential to grow it over the next eight to 10 years. Does that make sense? Yeah, it kind of does. Yeah. We're both listening Okay. Yeah. But give me your thoughts, you and your wife. uh, Delighted she's listening as well. Just on, you know, if that doesn't line up, because at the end of the day, you all are the stewards and, you know, we want to align this with your values and priorities and, you know, what God's doing in your life as a couple and in your family. And I think, you know, if you're saying, listen, Rob, we just feel like the Lord's giving us a conviction to get out of debt, then I would say you do that and don't look back. But if not, and you want to just continue paying on this this mortgage, and I assume it's at a low interest rate, and you want to take this 80 and set aside the 6 to 12 months worth of emergency funds and, a, and keep that in savings, and then take the rest and start socking it away over the next decade into an IRA and get it invested where it can grow, then that would make some sense to me, unless that's misaligned with where you all feel like God is leading you. And if that's the case, then I fully support that. So uh, give me your give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, and we're we're certainly praying about it. Um, yeah, you know, daily. Um, and I understand we we need to invest to try to build that that up. Yeah. Um, I just thought, you know, the interest we were our loan is our mortgage is five and a quarter percent. Oh, okay, um, so it's is, a little higher. Is, yeah, well, um, that that was good <laughs> back in two thousand six. Yeah, um, that's true. And, that's true. Yeah. We've never refinanced and so on like that. So okay. uh, I think it yeah, so that, that may change things mind. just slightly for me because you know, I was thinking you had a one of these two and three quarter or three percent rates. You know, with with over five, yeah, I might I might I like this idea of you all just wiping that out and then shoring up that savings of six months. Uh in and so that would be forty seven and then if you put another twenty five uh, into emergency savings, that's 72. And then you could take the remaining eight and maybe that's what you use to start the IRA. And then you guys have some peace of mind to know, hey, we're completely debt-free. We don't owe anybody anything. And now we're going to focus on taking 100% of our surplus every month now that this mortgage is paid off and, and put it away toward long-term savings. 
you know, I think you could absolutely make a case for that at age 70. Yeah, I think that sounds really good. I, that gives me a little more sense of relief because we were just, yeah. we heard your money minute this morning. You just said, save the interest. And, and that would save us quite a bit of interest, you know? Yeah, I, I like that. Okay. Well, I, I think given that interest rate, I can get on board with that. Once you guys take another week or so and just pray about it separately and together and see where the Lord leads you. But uh, we appreciate you uh, being on the program today. Uh, thanks for calling today, Kim, you and your wife. God bless you guys. Thanks for your service to the Lord over a, a long, long time. If we can help further, let us know. I'm Rob West. You're listening to Faith and Finance, and we'll have more of your calls and questions on the other side of this break. Do you feel like your hands are tied with debt, preventing you from serving God? If you have credit card debt, Christian credit counselors can help. Through our debt management program, we can get you out of credit card debt about 80% faster while honoring your debt in full. For more information on how Christian Credit Counselors can help, visit ChristianCreditCounselors.org. That's ChristianCreditCounselors.org. Or call 800-557-1985. 800-557-1985. As the leading advocate for the Christian financial industry, Kingdom Advisors serves the public by promoting the integration of a biblical worldview across every aspect of the financial services industry. And we serve a growing network of thousands of Christian financial professionals, equipping and empowering them to carry biblical financial wisdom to their clients, peers, and community. For more information, visit KingdomAdvisors.com. That's KingdomAdvisors.com. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. We're taking your calls and questions today, 800-525-7000. We've got one line open. Uh, let's head back to the phones to Akron, Ohio. Hi, Carleen. Go right ahead. Hi. We have um, $25,000 of an emergency fund that we're still working on, but we don't want to leave it sitting in a savings account. It is it's in a savings account that we appreciate being in. Um, through our college that we went to, and they use it to build churches and such, and it's been there a long time as we build that money. However, we're looking at our retirement money down the road and just kind of rearranging things. So our question is, we'd like to move it into a high-yield interest savings or a no-penalty CD where we can remove it, you know, take it out if we need it in an emergency. Do you have any recommendations on one or the other? Or if CDs or the high-yield interest savings are online banks, okay. We've never done that, but that's what we're looking at literally this afternoon. Thought I'd oh, nice. Call. Yeah, great. Uh, I like that option a lot, Carlene. I would make sure it stays liquid. So whether it's a high-yield savings account or a no-penalty uh, CD, you could go either direction. I think probably just an online savings account um, would be good. Uh, as long as there is FDIC insurance, I'd be fine with that. You can look at their rating. Uh, one of the uh, best websites just to look at who has the various uh, you know rates and terms right now that are most competitive uh, is bankrate.com. That's bankrate.com. And you could go in there and, and sort uh, you know by CD or by uh, savings account and, and find the one that's the best fit for you. Uh, you will find that Marcus.com, M-A-R-C-U-S, which is the retail operation of Goldman Sachs, they typically have some of the best rates around with the backing of Goldman Sachs, FDIC insurance, which I think is really the key. 
Uh, so for instance, right now they're paying three and three quarters percent uh, on their high yield savings account. Uh, no fees, no minimum deposits, um, you know, same day transfers to other banks, great customer service. You know, it's just no reason for your savings account to have it, in my view, at a brick and mortar bank when you can have an online savings, link it to your brick and mortar checking account, and then move money back and forth, not pay any fees and get, you know, four times the national average or better on your savings. Savings rate. So I'd probably look at that one. You could look at any others that come up at bankrate.com. Uh, and I think those would be great choices for you for this. What about the interest, like the high yield interest savings? Does the interest rate go up and down on that as opposed to in a CD where it stays the same? Is there advantage? Potentially. I think you just need to look at what is the rate being offered at those in those no penalty CDs. I haven't looked at them recently. So if you could get one that where you could lock it in. Now, I think these rates are going to continue to head higher for now. Now, at some point, they're going to level off and then, of course, they'll turn down. So these, uh, these online savings accounts, just like any savings account, those rates are going to fluctuate with the Fed funds rate. Um, so, you know, we'll probably top out somewhere around 4% and then probably later this year or into next year, they'll start to head down. So if you could find something comparable with a no penalty CD that would allow you to lock something in, but still have the liquidity, um, then I think that would be great. I mean, you're going to get to your money a little quicker with one of these high yield savings where you've got it linked up and you can do same day transfers to and from other banks. But you know, you still still should, with everything being done electronically with a penalty-free CD, be able to get to the money fairly quickly. And if you could extend out that kind of guaranteed rate for a longer period of time and not have any breakage fees, then obviously that would be great because I think we're, even though we're probably not at the top, we're getting close to it. So I think you could be confident that you're not giving up a whole lot by locking it in. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's great. Uh, appreciate your call today, Carlene. God bless you. Uh, to Tampa. Hi, Pat. Go right ahead. So I have uh, roughly roughly twelve to $15,000 in credit card debt. Um, I do have uh, a 457 with about $60,000 in it, but um, I'm, I'm leave, I'm, it's, I've got a retirement plan about it that I, that I would like to leave it alone if possible. I also have a 401k. Uh, that I just took about, uh, it was uh, uh, not a long-term one that I, I just started about three years ago. Uh, I took uh, $8,000 out of that and have about $7,000 left. Uh, it lost 6% over the last two quarters. I'm, I'm earning negative 0.132% on it right now, so I took it out to pay credit cards. Uh, my question is, and, and I also have a second mortgage of $45,000 I owe, uh, less, I owe about 80 on my house and, um, I have significant equity in the house. I just don't want to take a loan, uh, based on today's rates. Yeah. So I'm looking, I'm looking for good advice about which, which way to go, uh, yeah. in the next six months with this. Yeah. Uh, here's where I'd go with this. Even if the rates were lower, I would encourage you not to put this on the house and refinance. Number one, you probably got to even with that first and the second, you probably got a fairly attractive interest rate if you've had those for a while. Uh, number two, that those loans are secured to the property. If you don't pay, you lose your house with the credit cards. That's unsecured debt. Uh, the biggest issue that um, you know I run into, and we talked about this with an earlier caller, Pat, and that is that you know so often credit card debt is just because of overspending. Uh, you know, having habits that allow you to spend beyond your means. 
And, you know, usually when you take the pressure off of the credit cards by, uh, you know, repaying it with new debt, even at lower interest rates, you do a couple of things. You you extend out that repayment period in many cases. But even if you don't, uh, you don't correct the problem that got you in the first place. You treat the symptom and not the problem. And then eventually the credit card debt comes back. But now it's on top of that new loan, whether that's a refinance mortgage or a consolidation loan of some kind. So I'd probably leave those two mortgages right where they are and make let's make the goal getting that paid off once and for all at some point before retirement so you own your home free and clear. Um, I'd leave the 457 and the 401k right where they are. Let those continue to grow. Get those invested in a way that makes sense so you can take advantage of the market recovery when it happens. And then finally, for the credit card debt, which is the big question I know that you have, I'd use a credit counseling program. So this is basically a nonprofit debt management agency uh, where the accounts would be closed. Through the debt management agency, the interest rates would be lowered. You'd have one level monthly payment that you'd pay through them, routed to the credit card company so the debt stays right where it is. But with the combination of that level payment, which in effect snowballs it, plus the reduced interest rates, much lower than probably where they are today, you're going to pay this debt off 80% faster. But the big idea is what I said earlier, and that is because it's going to take a little time, uh, you know, you'll do the hard work of getting it paid off. And usually it can help to forge new habits so that once that debt's paid off, we don't ever go back there again. Because really, I need you to work on your spending plan and make sure that you're living within your means. So when this debt is eradicated, now we can take that surplus and just build you know, emergency funds and eventually, you know, longer term retirement assets. But uh, I would use christiancreditcounselors.org, christiancreditcounselors.org. That's my preferred option uh, for how you get out of credit card debt if you have more than 4000 uh, Pat, thanks for your call today, my friend. We appreciate you checking in with us. I hope you'll make plans to join us again next time for another edition of Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.